I'm Riggs Eckleberry, co-founder, chairman, CEO of Origin Clear. The government needs to continue to provide a lot of abundant clean water. But what happens to it after it's used, when it's dirty? Do you know that 80% of all sewage is never treated, it's just dumped? That leads to water scarcity, but it also leads to a lot of disease and pollution, the ocean turning into something horrible. At the same time, the cities and counties are not getting the funding they need to really treat the water, and so they can't keep up. The solution is let the people who use the water clean the water. Water on demand is investment in actual capital assets that earn income. Sign up to hear my weekly briefing every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just put oc.gold slash CEO in your browser. Register for the briefing, and I look forward to hearing more from you. Well, hello, everyone, and it's a pleasure seeing you showing up here. What is new gold? Thursday, July 21st, 2022, briefing number 170. <sighs> yes, there's a new beneficial income asset, and it's called water. And we are the pioneers in that area. I wanted to quickly, I noticed this afternoon, and I thought I'd show you this. Really interesting. This uh, chart, this was sent to me by uh, CB Insights. Great um, newsletter, by the way. And um, yes, 50% of the volume of the S&P 500 is 10 stocks. But what's interesting is the swarm to the left now, it seems to me that um, the swarm is much more interesting than the big herd of these 10 stocks. That's just my opinion. Um, of course, you could keep make it simple and just play the big guys. But it seems to me that the opportunities are in the what I think this uh, newsletter writer called the swarm. Anyway, with that in mind, sent to us by our longtime investor, Steve Sant'Angelo, an article from Fidelity Investments. So what about water stocks? Well, um, most important resource on earth, we all know that. You wouldn't be in, in this uh, show tonight. And I actually don't know why there's a sand dune with the ocean. <laughs> it's not exactly relevant, but that's okay. It's cute. There are some issues, uh, not only in uh, the American Southwest, which you know already, but South Africa is having these day zero events. Italy is having extreme drought. Um, and New Delhi is now rationing water this goes on and on. There's water insecurity and it's growing. So let's take a look here. This is the, the S&P Global Water Index has always done better than the S&P 500. But I've also noticed that these big guys, these water companies, they tend to go with the overall market. And so as you can see, they kind of took a hit most recently. So that's um, really because, of course, they are part of the big water game. Um, and we think that there's opportunities outside of the big water companies, but nonetheless, it's always done better than the regular S&P 500. Moving on here. Yes, well, I've talked about this a lot, about water loss on clean water networks, declining water sources, aging infrastructure. How many times have I spoken about that? And of course, natural disasters and contamination. Due to leaks in pipes and other water infrastructure, the U.S. loses enough water every year to meet the annual supply to its 10 largest cities. This is why our, water, our pump station business, which I covered last week with Dan Early, which is branded Averamod, is so important and is growing so fast because a lot of the uh, leakage, a pipe may or may not leak, 
But a pump station is a connection point, which has all kinds of joints and pumps and this and that. And it is a major source of leakage. And we have these high-density polyethylene envelopes, which are under patent, worldwide patent, that provide a up to a 100-year life cycle for these pump stations. And since it's comp- pricing competitive with the stuff that degrades after 20 years, the mostly cities, but also large corporations that, that need this kind of stuff, you know, basically where water has to rise up to another level, um, they say, well, what the heck? I might as well get something that's not going to leak for many, many years. So leak-proof pump stations, I think, are the future, and you're going to be hearing a lot more about that. Okay, so we're in the news in a channel called pissconsumer.com. And this, I was interviewed about how to recycle water at home. And uh, I think you're going to like some of what we say. So let's jump right into it. These are the things I discussed. The clean water problem. What about California? What about at home? The cost of water recycling, water reuse, system maintenance, and the ever-present question, what about bottled water versus having your own recycled water? So let's get right into it. I'm going to turn on the uh, optimized view. Here we go. And make sure that the volume is high. Yes, that was the big fix. Here we go. With the official start of summer just a few days away, scientists say a mega drought across the western U.S. could get even worse. Millions of people in the state are now under new intense water restrictions. All right, millions of Southern Californians are now under new water restrictions amid the state's severe drought. My name is Riggs Eckleberry, and I am the co-founder of Origin Clear, which um, is a company that is working hard to create innovative, disruptive ventures in the water industry. We're essentially an innovation hub. So we have conventional water companies that we've created in the industrial space. We also have um, new financial vehicles to create water as a service, which is a whole new area. And um, we also have a division that does nothing but modular water systems to get away from the, you know, custom water uh, equipment. You know, the water industry is in a way very, very um, backward. Um, And so we have some technology that creates these water systems in a box, which is very exciting. Hi. My name is Michael. Thank you for joining. Is problem in America only or it's worldwide clean water? There are several different levels. Worldwide, counting everybody, only about 20% of all sewage is treated. Now, that's not true of OECD countries, uh, which do a good job of treating most of their water. But then you have places, you know, in the undeveloped world or developing world, like Bangladesh, where there's virtually no water treatment. And even a place that's a second world country like Mexico has very, um, you know, there's there's rivers in Mexico that look like a rainbow because there's a lot of dumping still going on. So I would say there's a big difference between the developed countries like America, European countries, Australia, and, um, and uh, the developing countries. But even America... Uh, does not reach as high a standard as, for example, Italy. I remember having vacationed um, in Italy several times uh, uh, around a lake that was surrounded, I guess an old volcano, was surrounded by fields that went down into the lake, and yet the lake was pure, pristine, 
completely uh, drinkable water even, despite the, but in America, the fertilizer would have been going into that lake and creating all kinds of algae. So I would say that the best practices are in the European community. Um, America does okay, but then there's the factor of the recycling. Um, and in that area, the, probably the world leader is Israel, where almost 90% of all water is recycled. The second in the world is Spain with 20%. America is only 1%. And the reason for that is that we have an old um, sewage grid that only works one way, just like the energy grid. Um, you send your water to the city, the city processes it, and then sends it into the ocean or a river or whatever. Treated, there's nothing wrong with the water, but the opportunity to recycle has been lost. And we're seeing that as an issue in places like California, where they're still struggling with outdated sewage systems. Um, and they're struggling, for example, in San Diego, they're trying to do this thing called toilet to tap. Um, but because the central systems aren't built that way, it's involving billions of dollars. Um, so there's some new approaches needed in places like California um, because the there's a there's an infrastructure problem essentially. So you think California problems can be solved with a little bit uh, of money, a little bit of ingenuity, but it's not uh, something that cannot be solved with water recycling. Water recycling helps tremendously. Now here's here is the the gorilla in the middle of the room in in California, and that is that agriculture represents about eighty percent of all use. So um, yes, we're we're happy that citizens are taking shorter showers, etc. But the effect. The net effect is is negligible overall. Um, it, it's it's a it's a it's a good PR campaign, but the fact is that um, increasingly there has been a pivot toward high value crops such as nuts and so forth, which are high water users. Now, granted, there's also been a lot of um, headway. Uh, you know, there's been basically more. Um, movement towards high value crops which tend to use more water but also more water efficiency but that's kind of dancing around the problem which is it's a desert and um the high agricultural use in california um unfortunately you know it's something like what is it you know uh, 70 billion dollars a year it's a ridiculous amount of of money that is um uh, here we go. No, I apologize. Um, $20 billion a year in uh, exports for agricultural products. And um, they have to irrigate. Um, and, you know, there's vast amounts of water. Um, you know, 34 million acre feet of water per year are irrigated. Well, an acre foot can um, easily take care of four households. So that um, right there is. You know, um, those 34 million means uh, about 120 million people could be served with the same amount of water that is being used for irrigation. Um, that That's the nature of the beast because, um, you know, 80% of all water used in California uh, is agricultural. So um, at some point, I think California is going to have to um, confront that issue and deal with it in a in a create as much a creative way as possible um it's I'm, I'm reading the public policy institute of california website here and um 
the uh, higher revenue crops such as nuts and grapes, which again use a lot of water, um, have increased as a share of irrigated acreage from 16% in 1980 to 33% in 2015 and up to 45% in the Southern Central Valley. So lots more use of water, um, which generated more revenue, but actually farm water use was 14% lower. So it's good that they are doing, they're working very hard to become more efficient, but there's limits. Um, if you're going to use high water usage, um, you know, when I take a bunch of grapes, most of those, that bunch of grapes is water and that gets taken. It can't be reused. It gets taken to a grocery store and, uh, in uh, New York City or whatever, and and uh, consume there. So that water leaves California and it can never be reclaimed. So I think at some point we're going to have to confront the nature of the uh, ag agriculture use in California. I got you. So from your point of view, it's uh, agricultural need for water, actually what's taking most of the Californian water out. Regular consumers most likely are not going to suffer really badly meaning yeah they have uh what is it called uh, sporadic turn offs and turn ons of water in their households but it's not like they're gonna end up in the complete desert without any water around them most likely californians will just spend less water on the agriculture that's your point of view i actually think that um, residential users are going to suffer because the government has already shown that they were they're, they're going to start doing rationing um they they they're encouraging a lot. And by the way, the populations in California have been very, very supportive. Um, per capita water use has declined from 231 gallons per day in 1990 to 180, gall 180 gallons per day in 2010, and it continues to fall. So um, in fact, 2015, it was 146 gallons per day. So they're doing a fine job, um, mostly by reducing landscape watering. Um, but there's going to be requirements for long-term reductions. If you are a big water user for landscape, I can tell you that because I've been a, a, a water user in California, your water bill goes crazy. Um, so yeah, plant desert plants, of course. Um, but what I'm saying is all that stuff is going to be, you know, it's going to be hard for residential users and there's going to be sacrifice but doesn't it doesn't accomplish that much in numerical terms the the real gains are in the agricultural area and unfortunately 20 billion dollars a year is a big vote <laughs> it's very hard to get rid of that revenue for california so um they're in a tough place it's really really hard for them to get to get rid of their their you know uh, get rid of avocados instead and instead plant barley it's going to be very hard i would like to move to the next subject you've mentioned that uh, water recycling equipment could be purchased and installed in a single household can you talk a little bit about it what is it uh, do you work with such equipment or can you just advise our consumers a little bit about water recycling for a single home the best uh, what we deal with is of course we work at the a housing development use uh, level because um, let me just say something about, you know, single family. It's a very competitive um, market. Um, there are systems for water recycling. Uh, for example, Fuji water has an excellent system for 
making taking you off the grid and you don't need a sewage uh, connection if you have a single family home and they do a fine job it's i don't know ten twelve thousand dollars it's we don't we don't try and compete with that because they do a fine job already um and as you know a whole home uh water purification is also very mature what we like to do is intervene at the housing development level to work with the developers and so that they have an opportunity to locate the entire development away from conventional water sources. And where Origin Clear comes in is we have a program that enables them to not pay up front for the, the equipment, but rather pay by the gallon as if they were still getting it from the city. So we call that water on demand. It's a basically it creates a water as a service. We have investors who who purchase the equipment and then these housing developments can just enjoy the, the three parts, as I said, the incoming clean water, the water, the, the treatment of the black water, and the recycling of what we call the gray water, um, all on a completely self-sufficient basis. And I think that's the future um, because more and more residential requirements are outstripping the availability of sewage. Let's take, for example, Miami-Dade County, which built about uh, you know, it expanded very fast without any kind of urban planning back almost 100 years ago. And th- what was installed was uh, over 100,000 septic tanks were installed throughout the county, very widely spread. And so the county has come up with a proposal because septic tanks are terrible. As the water um, levels rise due to um, saltwater intrusion, et cetera, um, it's become a problem. So they want to replace all those um, septic tanks with um, hard sewage. Well, that's six billion dollars in today's money. Probably be about eight or ten by the time it's built. Twenty years of disruption, et cetera, et cetera. The better solution is to simply run a rebate program and let people install their own self-sufficient water treatment. So these, the the you know, do-it-yourself water treatment, I believe, is the solution to a lot of problems in America, and it enables a lot more utilization of the water be it residential, industrial, or agricultural. With your plan price per gallon of water, how does it impact consumer's wallet? Is it less expensive? Is it more expensive? What is the pricing structure there? Uh, price has been skyrocketing for water. Water rates are not very regulated. You would think they would be, but they're not. And so um, the the water rates over a 10-year period that I'm looking at here uh, uh, tripled um, versus ordinary core inflation. So water rates were already taking off even before the current inflationary phase. So, um, and uh, in some places, they're as high as 14% of the uh, residential uh, budget, which is ridiculous. Um, so that's another reason for people to become self-sufficient. Um, you know, we... <laughs> I never thought I'd say it, but you know the preppers were right. We you need to have a plan for taking care of yourself in this current environment, and that includes water. So, what's uh, your current price per water in some of your installations? How does it match up to the town's water in comparable locations? Is it similar? Is it twenty percent higher? Is it twenty percent lower? How does it compare? Well, okay. There's two things. First of all, by adopting our water as a service program, we enable and, and we're really talking about businesses or communities, right? So we're not talking about single family homes, but if it is residential, it will be a community of homes. 
or it's a business. And um, those, by committing to a long-term contract for water service, they can limit their increases. So it's a way to cap the uh, inflation increases um, by going into our programs. That's number one. Uh, number two, by doing their own treatment, they're able to reuse their water the way they normally cannot. And that, and I'll give you an example, in a brewery, you can reuse about 50% of the water without using the water for beer, just for washdowns and steam vessels and so forth. And so if you can get a 50% increase in water use for every dollar you spend, that's a big, that's a win. So I would say a combination of service contracts that cap the increases to some reasonable uh, inflation index and um, also reuse of water to get more turns out of the water. Does your system produce drinkable water as an end product? Is it the drinkable water? Exactly. Um, currently, we're about to inaugurate. Hotels are beginning to install uh, whole hotel water systems. And we have such a, um, a, a hotel, high-end hotel chain. Unfortunately, we can't disclose yet. They're launching um, in July um, with our system. And what they've chosen to do is all the water coming into the hotel is pure, whether it's for kitchen, showers, anything. Um, and that, I think, is going to become a trend. Um, and so we have a well-priced system that, um, you know, is certainly very uh, affordable for a business or a community that does uh, the full of reverse osmosis, which is what you need to get rid of those what's called the forever chemicals, uh, the PFAS, as they call it, the things that are in Teflon and so forth. There's really only one way to get rid of those, and that's with uh, reverse osmosis. And that's what you have to use to clean the incoming water. In my home, for example, I don't have reverse osmosis for the entire home. I have just a plain uh, 0.2 micron filter. But in my kitchen sink, I have a tap that is RO water, and that's what we drink from. And that's that's really what you have to do. Another question I have, so the hotel installs your system. Do they install a duplicate system right next to it? Uh, what happens if your system breaks? A wa this hotel, which I, I can tell you is located in, it's, it will be located in Nashville, Tennessee. You can always switch. The city water will not kill people immediately. <laughs> so it's not like they're going from pure water to no water. They're going from pure water for the brief amount of time that might be down, they'll have to, they'll be tap water. But um, remember that these systems on service contract, they're easy to swap out. We have local service uh, providers who come in, they swap out the filters, whatever is broken down about it. These are very simple systems. Uh, it's just like a refrigerator breaking down. Generally, you have enough time before the fridge starts to warm up that you can fix it. Similarly with incoming water, uh, as I say, um, nobody, lo nobody loves... It, you know, it's strange, Michael. Once upon a time, we all drank pure, drank tap water, and it was okay. That's now become a no-no. But you know, if it's two, three hours, five hours on tap water, it's not the end of the world. My experience with uh, water filtration is lots and lots of maintenance because filters get clogged up, and they mm -hmm. need to be cleaned. So that's my question. How do you address regular maintenance? How does it occur? This is a complex system and it needs to be addressed properly. People can invest in redundant systems. They typically don't. That's the truth of it. Um, 
because again, you're not going from pure water to no water. You're going from uh, pure water to treated water, which um, many, many people would say is old fashioned. People would say it's just fine. Um, so I, I, we haven't run into people who are willing to invest in redundant systems. Let's put it that way. Quality wise, do you have any data comparing your water to uh, bottled water being sold in the stores? Bottled water is typically um, purified using reverse osmosis. Um, there is an issue with uh, bottled water uh, being in plastic, and there's some data that that the plastic can contaminate the water, especially if you let the bottle get hot, you know, or you let it get warm. Um, so, but there's not a huge difference in quality. The, the, I would say that if you have a standard bottled water that comes out of 7-Eleven, um, it will be reverse osmosis treated. It'll be pure and it'll be very similar to the water you can get from one of our water systems. The difference, of course, is that, you know, we're not using a ton of plastic bottles. I mean, that's the big difference. Guys watching this uh, video, please sign up for Best Consumer Channel. It means a lot. Like this video. And Riggs, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. So that was fun. Um, obviously, uh, it was being done mostly for print. So um, it, was, it was not full dress. But it's fun to, to um, be able to show you these interviews it, it's also a cut down, as you can tell. Okay, we're going to jump right into the progress report on the Water on Demand pilot. Here we go. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I have with me Manuel Viana, General Manager of the Water on Demand Unit, and Bill Charneski, the longtime Bill Charneski, who is consulting uh, to Manuel due to his incredible depth of understanding of the water industry. Bill uh, joined us many years ago, and uh, in fact, I remember, Bill, you had the original idea of pivoting to water. You were the one. <laughs> I was the one that put you in this mess. <laughs> exactly. Because at the time, we, algae was running out of steam because the price of crude had dropped too far. Right. Like, what do we do? What do we do? And you said, well, why don't we? You know, we, we take the algae, the petroleum, the future petroleum out of the water. Why don't we do the same thing for the frac water? And in fact, we started getting into the whole clean frack thing, um, which then it fell apart because there were further drops in the oil price of oil, which meant that nobody in the oil industry was spending a dime. And that's when we, of course, um, got involved with um, the uh, general industrialized water treatment, right? As opposed to uh, the oil industry. And that's where we've been ever since. Now, we have a whole new generation going on here which is taking it a step further and creating water as a service, what we call water on demand. It's also water as an asset, you might say. And um, so now we've been you know, working on this for some time. And um, Manuel, you've really been at the forefront of, first of all, modeling it and seeing how the long-term contracts would work. You've also been exposed to some of the sample contracts from our partners and then I suggested you start working with Bill to put out your, your um, feelers to the industry. So where do we stand in terms of those feelers and those exploratories to get the first pilot program going? So we have been doing a very, very uh, 
you know, premeditated process of exploring option, optional avenues for uh, developing commercial opportunities, right? We have several channels, so to speak, that we have been using. Uh, this is obviously, as you said, a new way of uh, doing the business, um, you know, and we are looking for customers that actually can benefit from a deeper relationship with us, a closer relationship where we don't just bring capital, but we bring we take off their plate all the concerns about finding the right equipment, getting installed, monitoring it, operating it, etc. So we have been looking at, uh, first of all, the obvious thing is we have looked at customers that were in the pipeline of Origin Clear, whether MWS or PWT. MWS? Uh, Modular water systems. Modular water systems or you know, progressive water treatment. Yes, the two the two divisions that uh, that have sales pipelines and have are having tremendous success, but they still have some customer leads that are in the pipeline. You know, three quarters, two quarters ahead, and they're always two quarters ahead because the customers don't have the funds, or you know, quite frankly, sometimes a big capex for them. It's not their core business, and you know, the the the, the management or the board looks at it and says, "Now we're not going to spend that." $600,000 now, you know, push it off as much as you can. So we're looking at opportunities to convert and we've looked at like a few of them. Uh, and, you know, we are trying to be careful because obviously we're entering into long-term agreements. You know, these things have 10 years, renewable for another 10 years, et cetera. So you don't want to lock yourself into a bad arrangement where you're not going to be able to really provide the customer exactly what the customer needs. And, you know, it's not economically attractive for us. So we're looking always at those two sides. You know, what are we, what value added are we able to give the customer in addition to just providing capital? And also, you know, how do the economics work for us? And so we're looking in our, our own pipelines and we've, we've been, we're having discussions. We've had several discussions. We haven't started a project yet uh, from there, but there's, there's opportunities there. And that's, of course, it's in some level easier because they already have some sort of a relationship or interest with Origin Clear. Uh, and then we have uh, looked at uh, there's OEMs out there that OEMs. have original equipment, you know, equipment manufacturers and distributors, etc., who actually they don't have financing capability. They are in the fabric, the design and fabrication business. Um, you know, the so their water and, companies like Progressive Water who are out there and have potential customers and they too could expedite those deals. That's right. And they could, could expedite. And so we, there's opportunity to partner with them. And we, we're in dialogue with, the, with a few of them, you know, I'd say about a dozen uh, that we've been talking to. And a couple of them, you know, have already brought us several projects uh, to look at. And we're working on uh, some of those right now. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, again, it's not a fast process because, you know, we are, and sometimes these other OEMs, the, these other water companies are also, you know, moving towards a more networked business model, kind of decentralized water that, you know, we all keep talking about. It's happening, but it does take time to build a relationship, to build a mutual understanding about, you know, mutual strengths and weaknesses and interests. And so, uh, you know, we haven't 
pulled the trigger on a, a big project yet. We are discussing one right now uh, with uh, you know a project that uh, could be with uh, Envirogen Technologies actually, you know, which is a great partner. They've with uh, the cooperation is going very well between the two companies, uh, and we may end up doing something together now. But there's other projects that we've you now, know some of them we've you declined. were you were talking is that the one where there's already existing uh, sort of detached offices that need their black water, quote unquote, handled? Is that what the one you're talking right. about? Right, yeah. It's, it's a customer that has multiple locations and they're unhappy with the current installation. The current uh, facilities are not working well uh, and they have a problem. And uh, they oh, have Wait a, a minute. Problem. They are not on sewage. There's some kind of arrangement, but it's pretty crappy, if I may use that. Pun. Yeah, no pun intended, right? Yeah, oh, so it's intended. mostly a lot of these locations they have are actually office locations. So it is really the affluent that needs to be treated it is bathroom or kitchen type. And, you know, they're paying money to haul it away. Lots ah, of money, okay. you know. So, you know, if we can get in there and solve that problem for them, you know, uh, that, that's what we're, we're discussing. But there have been other situations where, for example, OEMs have come to us because they know we have capital. They know we have technical capability. They're trying to sell their own equipment. But quite frankly, the solution that they have designed for their customer is not economically efficient. You know, so we've come across a couple of cases where the capital investment is too high for the revenue that, you know, basically, in bluntly speaking, they don't, their, their equipment is not, you know, uh, economically efficient. And there are better solutions. We have better solutions. Uh, and so there's then a, a conversation about, do you really want to sell, uh, you know, is it more important to you to, to place your equipment or to actually help that customer with the problem they're having? And, uh, and, you know, address the solution in a cheaper way for the customer. So we're having those conversations as well. How, how do you say that's going, you know, um, suggesting to people that they use our modular technology to achieve better, um, you know, efficiency? I think it piques their interest. They're curious. Uh, and actually, in a second, I'm going to ask Bill to chime in here because Bill has been a big player in actually talking with these other uh, water companies. But so I think they're interested. Uh, many of them are very curious about our modular technology and would like to you know, fabricate based on our designs. Uh, we have not done any licensing deal yet, but you know, as, as you know, we've been discussing internally, there is an opportunity there to increase revenues that way as well. Uh, so, but ultimately, a lot of these water companies want to place their own equipment, you know, and that's that's where they need help. And so the discussion is, well, what are the value add is, you know, um, do you want us to manage the project for the customer on an ongoing basis? Uh, do we want us to organize and coordinate maintenance, servicing, etc.? Um, you know, because obviously it's it's a bundle that the customer to to make the customer lives easy we have to f furnish a bundle of services, right? Well, yeah, and, but then that brings the additional problem of, wait a minute, who's doing what and who's going to start pointing fingers at whom? And right. as much as possible, this from my early years in, in computer installations where you didn't want to have too many vendors, but rather have it all in one, like you handle the whole thing, period. I think that's probably what you're going for, right? That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's what the, the customer needs, one, one neck to hold accountable. <laughs> and, uh, and obviously, as you, as you can imagine, that just raises the stakes in terms of who we partner with and making sure that we're really comfortable with their 
uh, you, know, you know, quality and durability standards, right? Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, there is no shortage of people out there. And maybe Bill can comment on some of the conversations he's having. He has, he's a veteran in the water business. He knows a lot of companies. He's been talking to some of them. I don't know, Bill, if you want to comment on, you know, the mm-hmm. level of attractiveness of the WOD proposal to these potential partners. Sure, be happy to. Um, I think it's interesting to kind of break down these potential original equipment manufacturers in terms of what they offer and and what size they are, because I think that does impact who are potential candidates for the water on demand. Um, there are most of the OEMs. Let's put it this way: are really design and builders. They do not get into owning the equipment. They do not get into operating the equipment, perhaps, except for some minor thing like remote monitoring or preventative maintenance. Right. And so there's there's those two categories of people who are just doing design and build and those that are doing design, build, own, and operate. And so there's, there's companies in both of those baskets, if you will, that I've been talking to. Um, the ones who are doing already doing the design build up, operate, they're still candidates for the water on demand because they may, their customers may need financial assistance or uh, they may need some expanded service level or something like that. On the In the other basket of original equipment manufacturers, there are large companies that are involved in that that probably already have their own way of handling the own operate in some regard or have the ability to finance. But the, the real opportunity is really the smaller OEMs. Uh, those folks don't have the financial wherewithal to do it, don't have the, you know, what they do have though is probably a backlog of customers who have received project proposals from the original equipment manufacturer that, you know, a customer who may need to uh, clean up a black water or may need to have a purified water system or wants to put in a, a recycled water system so they can use it for watering their golf courses or whatever it might be. There's a, a lot of small companies out there that, you know, that may only be three to $10 million in revenue that, you know, have a backlog of projects that uh, that could well take advantage of the water on demand. And that's primarily what I'm focusing on are those smaller projects. Yeah, well, I mean, what I get from this is that DBOO, Design, Build, Own, Operate, is quite common in the larger sites, right? Correct. For example, uh, uh, Seven Seas does the provisioning of desalination for entire islands, right? Well, that's Correct. that's big. I mean, that's probably a $10, 15000000 million project. Um, but the growth is in these localized, uh, decentralized sites that um, you know are more in the one to $2 million range. And um, the big companies don't want to play with that because they have so much overhead. I'm, I'm guessing that it's really the smaller operators on, on the ground and us that are able to tackle these more localized opportunities. 
think I think that's exactly right. I think that the bigger companies aren't interested in a you know a project less than a million or even a million or two. It's you know those big companies you know uh, only want to deal with ten, twenty, hundred million dollar projects. The the small projects just don't fit in their uh, in their target market. And so it's it's really the smaller OEMs that you know that we've been pursuing more so. There are a few that fall in between. For instance, there's a, a company called Aries Chemical that provides equipment and chemicals and has actually a division that does uh, provides operators uh, to operate on a 24-hour basis. So there are there are companies that are in that bid range too that are kind of an interesting uh, mix for us, interesting combination of design, build, own, operate. They do some of that, but they're still a small company, so they don't have the access to the financing. Yeah, I mean this is interesting because um, it seems to me that there's a, a trend, obviously, towards. Um, companies doing their own water treatment for the reasons we've gotten into, such as um, municipalities failing to, you know, like literally refusing in some cases to treat the, the outflow or, or the water rates exploding, as we saw um, in the case of uh, Sonoma County, um, where a brewery was forced to literally do its own because it just got ridiculous. So we, we're having this phenomenon of explosion of the, so we say middle class um you know, the numbers are always in the middle class. That's the big belly, right? Um, but they don't have the financing structure um, to do it. And in many cases, leasing isn't appropriate because it, it burdens the end user uh, and so forth. So it's kind of an interesting, I, I'm, I'm, from what you're saying, it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle where we're seeing where we can find the appropriate place to play with these other guys. It's, you know, it's it's... What companies always do, you find the niches that that uh, satisfy uh, your requirements and, and the requirements of the OEM. So, yeah. And speaking of niches, uh, Riggs, we haven't talked about this yet, but another uh, opportunity that we have been exploring is residential, you know, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with the real estate developers, you know, with these big trends that are. Uh, uh, in society of going off the grid or getting out of the large urban centers, uh, developers have been building, you know, a hundred house or two hundred house communities. Uh, some of them are off the grid. Some of them are off of the sewage system. And so, we what we can do for those real estate developers actually is very valuable to them because we can bring a complete water solution. You know, we can treat drinking water. We can. Uh, recycle uh, water for irrigation and treat the, uh, the final wastewater. And we can do that very efficiently, again, using our modular water systems. Um, and uh, so we, ha- we are in conversations with, uh, with uh, three of them right now about you know, uh, working with them to take care of the whole water infrastructure. So in other words, wow. the community creates its own decentralized infrastructure it doesn't and this of course enables these developers to go and buy land that's cheaper because it's mm-hmm. off sewage right so it's, it's, it's good for everybody right so not only that but the developer can just bypass all expense and push it onto the hoa because it's right. all operating expense opex right so right. capital expense goes away 
The developer pushes it to the HOA. HOA just starts doing its thing. And That's it right. makes it very, and I think they're probably trying to do the same thing with energy. That's right. Uh, localized food production, all these interesting things, because it's clear, it's more and more clear that um, people do want to have some fallbacks when it comes to the, the vital necessities mm-hmm. of living. It's a scary thought, but we're kind of in that new world, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's been very exciting. And we have been, you know, looking, we're in dialogues with a couple of uh, developers. And as you know, these things take a lot of time because, you know, we got to be in there at the design stage. Uh, and so it could be, you know, six months before the project is a go, a year before construction starts, two years before there's actually something there, right? Yeah. And that's, that's why I think we've, we've been exploring some hybrid models to put the money to work that we that's sitting here in capital, for example, the idea of um, let's say a, a municipality has approval for a particular project, but the budget hasn't been released, so we might let them have the machine now uh, and and in a way um, defer let them defer payment because obviously it's a guaranteed sale, but they don't have the cash yet. Then we sort of bridge them. Um, these are interesting uh, interim models, but of course we really want to get to the the actual. Project. I suspect, though, that out of all the things you're looking at here, once one starts going, you'll start getting a whole bunch of parallel. You know, they'll start all kind of start firing at once. We have to overtake this lag. But since there's so many in parallel that you guys are working on, that we'll probably see a lot of firecracker type, type, you know, initiation. Yeah, once mm-hmm. the proof of con- concept is there and it's working, and you know, uh, and also there's there's a certain tempo to all these conversations as well. They're maturing, they're evolving, and as you said, many of them are probably going to hit at the same time. And God help us, then. <laughs> right. So the whole scalability is this is why we decided we needed to be the financial specialists. Um, you and I met, for example, the other day with a very good project manager. Who, who has in fact worked uh, on distributed water uh, project where he, he was literally involved with that. And we're going to have to get a, a several of these to be on top of these things. Because even though we won't be building or maintaining, we certainly have to be the client's representative and also the investor's fiduciary, right? right? The That's right. The fiduciary of the investor and to make sure these things go off. Um, what I do think is going to happen as a result is a lot more certainty of these projects doing what they're supposed to do, given the amount of oversight we're going to bring. And, you know, it's just like bringing more oversight to finance. It only does good things mm-hmm. to um, make sure there's no, there's no um, waste or loss. It's, it's really interesting. Um, how is um, you, you, you modeled the, the, you created a pro forma of how it would pencil out. Uh, I, I suppose you're 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 tweaking the numbers as you learn more from these um, pilot situations. That's yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it started as a more of a theoretical model based on assumptions from industry averages, etc. And as we move along, you know, we're learning all the time, so we remove. You know, we're basically getting more precise and more accurate in how we model it. You know, so for example, one thing we we still using industry averages, you know, bill collection percentage you know we still because we're not yet billing water as a service right at water on demand but uh so that will will lag in terms of its mm-hmm. reality check but uh many of the other things we're doing and and quite frankly a lot of these discussions we're having with other uh water companies about potential projects they have are helping us because we learn from them what they're 
typical ratios and typical uh, economics are, and uh, we we're working on a particular project. You know, we see what might work, what might not work. So it's mm. it's a, it's an evolving you know learning process. But you know, I think we have a pretty good fix on it now, and uh, we just need to you know uh, as as we actually have contracts rolling over the years, you know, we'll, we'll just uh, simulate that learning as well. So in, in your view, there's, there's, of course, there's a lot of things that are going to take a long time, but is there one or two uh, low-hanging fruit that you think we might be able to get into relatively soon? Yeah, I think there's a few installations right now that uh, we're discussing where I think we're in a, in a preferred position to, to, to be the successful provider uh, so, you know, I can't, it's hard to say because these things move slowly at the client side. So it's hard to tell if it's going to be a month or two before we have clarity that, you know, we're going to do something or not, but, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm excited about uh, the level of activity we have on the commercial front and you know, the prospects look very, very good. Well, um, well, I appreciate that you have to, that both of you have to, um, basically a, put out the net and be qualify these things and work them in and, and do the whole relationship dance, um, which over time will create these uh, multiple parallel activities and that you are looking at some short-term opportunities because we are, our loyal investors are keenly interested in, um, in putting this fascinating uh, business model to work. In general, are you seeing a lot of interest in the water industry for this model? Uh, yes, I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, my conversation again. I would invite Bill well, to think, comment yeah, as well. Bill, it's, I, perhaps this question is for Bill because you're yeah. the one out there uh, surveying. I'm seeing a fair amount of interest, although it is not dissimilar to what we've run into before when we were looking at selling some technology. It, it it's really going to be helpful once we get a couple of these water on demand deals closed and they're operating and we can point to them and all of a sudden I, I think that that will open up the doors a whole lot more uh, there is definitely there's interest it's just a slower process to begin with well the water industry is not it's a risky slow. industry lord <laughs> have mercy we know that so okay so let's get the the first couple to launch as soon as possible as you say bill we want uh, you know, the doubting Thomases to be able to put their fingers and, and, you know, really see that these things are for real. Um, and um, I can't wait to get the next update. Let's, let's uh, touch base again in uh, two, three months and uh, see how you guys are doing. Okay. Perfect. Great. Okay. All right. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, I appreciate you spending time with me. Thank you. Thank you. And that is an interesting update. And I, I wanted to uh, just add a more recent update that I received from Manuel um, on the 19th concerning that location there. They are a uh, industrial uh, operator. They refine and they do plastics. And they have these six offices that are spread around. And he says, the customer is in pain. This is the num number two problem right now. Equipment not operating, unsightly situation, spending a million dollars a year to haul waste away. The smallest of the six locations is 4,000 gallons per day. That's pretty decent. And the contaminants um, to treat uh, are primarily chlorine and E. coli. So the um, E. coli, of course, is uh, a nasty little thing that if it gets into the, uh, the ground, 
water is not a pretty thing. So um, they they have a real pain point. It's moving quickly. It's with our partner Envirogen, who's a wonderful company, UK company that's got presence in Europe and America, and they are able to do all that operating operations and maintenance that we don't want to have to learn in order to get rolling. So with that, all right, and I'm going to invite Ken to jump in for our last little crotchety old guys talk, the freewheeling discussion. Well, um, I'm old. You're I just was a crotchety old guy, didn't singular, not plural. Ouch. As you saw, I mean, the, what we're doing is is we're trying to kind of move the needle in an industry that is very, very deliberate. But by getting a lot of things in play and finding out where there's real pain, we're, we're getting somewhere. And in fact, I'm working on something right now that we might be able to devote capital to very, very quickly. I can't talk about it. But um, this is the highest priority, of course. And um, we're going to get somewhere with it. So, so we covered from the beginning of the uh, tonight's um, broadcast to the end. Um, you know, Bill, Bill, Bill speaks, engineer speak, right? It's all that very, it's that very, very careful, very, you know, but, um, you know, in, in conversations I'm having with guys like Dan and stuff, who's a little bit more pragmatic, yes. um, you know, he's, his excitement is palpable. Um, yes. He's still, Bill will he, never be that way. <laughs> no, I know Bill, Bill's very, you know, very cautious. And that's, and that's, that's, a, that's a quality that, that we absolutely want. Um, but it appears to be that more and more of the market is kind of opening their eyes. Right. You know, you're, when you're only talking to two or three channels, you're going to and you have multiple opportunities in just two or three channels. That's enormous. Right. So when this opens up to become just the way business is done. Yeah. It, 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 the, the sky's the limit. Turning what I found, what I what I was really excited about is I, I'm wondering if there's any trademark violations that Fidelity got off on us this morning. They were using a lot of our stuff, I think. Um, it was like, no, it was like, it was like, guys, we've been screaming about this for three years. So it, no, it look all joking aside, it was very, very, um, heartening to hear a mainstream, really juggernaut financial institution talk about basically use the term similar to water as the next gold, right? You know, it was like, what about water? And I'm like, yeah, what about water? Right. So that was, that was, that was exciting. Well, they're recognizing validation through the roof, right? Yes. They're, they're recognizing aging infrastructure, et cetera. Their solution is different. They're like, well, we got to throw more money at the cities. Well, right, money- right. well yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation with them later on that. Um, and they'll rewrite and, and offer a retraction. Oh, perhaps. Yeah. We'll wait for fidelity. Yeah. You know, you and I know we work with the early adopters. Right? I know, but I'm busy right now. Exactly. Um, so one other thing I mentioned, there was a, there's a stunning st- statistic that um, I think we should communicate more that are leaking like a sieve infrastructure is losing enough water to annually completely supply our top 10 cities in the nation. All of them. That is is a stunning, staggering, appalling, grotesque. um, and, And you're right. For those who understand that where those leaks are occurring, those leaks are occurring in 100-year-old concrete pipes and 100-year-old concrete, um, well, 10-year-old concrete pump stations. So there's right now, I, and I had a conversation this morning with a family office, which I explained, I talked to you about. And um, I said to him, you know, there's a couple of million of these pump stations right now in the U.S. Every one of them is in some 
modest to advanced rate of disrepair, right? And they're leaking water by the sieve. And I said, I don't, here's what's funny. I said, I have no idea how much water it is, but it's an, it's an, it's an, it's an unconscionable amount, right? And then here we have that statistic. Well, you're welcome, Ken. I mean, this, I am here to supply stats. No, I snapped and you answered and I appreciate it. Well, we've taken an hour, so I don't want to keep going, but um, to talk to Ken, you must uh, simply put in your browser, oc.gold slash Ken. And he will uh, fill you in on the exciting things happening. Um, we are going to continue to give some great updates. Um, and uh, by the way, I'm very happy with how the revenue numbers are. are I can't talk about it. Obviously, the uh, the quarterly filing is on uh, 15 August, and we're doing fine in terms of schedules. Um, the first two months of the quarter, we're showing very very good progress. So I'm I'm feeling. Um, uh, you know, optimist, guardedly optimistic, I might say, about how the numbers are looking. And we'll be continuing to uh, discuss that. More announcements coming also on some tech wins that we're having. That's following soon. So everybody stay tuned. And uh, Ken, the pleasure as always getting your your insight and uh, you're welcome for that. Thank you. And, and I know, seriously, that's a great, great, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's also powerful. And, and I think, I, I think that helped, you know what that does that makes it real for people, right? Because they don't think about farming, they, but when you think about what's leaking, it, it's, I just think it's a very, very, it's a, it's a great data point uh, for us to help express to the world, to wake up to how serious this is. Wake up world. Wake up world. All right, everyone. Well, thank you very much. Good night, folks. Uh, I don't think that phew, nobody been chatting. It's been a quiet day, Lord. Anyway, so that's fine because it is nine o'clock. It's been a long one, but I think instructive. Have a good night, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Tune in next week for more exciting updates. Talk soon. Good night.